0: Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. This is the story of Mary. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it reads like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we looked at that story last week. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Well, think about this again. The story of God coming to earth raises a lot of questions. The God who is unseen, powerful enough to create all things with his word, powerful enough to create you and me out of his love. He became flesh, containing the divine into the human. A lot of questions get raised by all this. Last week, we looked at the story of this older man named Zechariah, a priest who was told that after many years, he and his wife, Elizabeth, who had not been able to have a child, would bear a son, their son's name would be John and he would prepare the way for the Lord. He would prepare the way for Jesus. And Zechariah asked a question about certainty. How can I be sure? And any of us that claim to try to walk a life of faith ask that question from time to time. How can I be sure? This week, Mary asked the question about future possibility. How will this happen? How will this happen? How can it ha- happen? Whereas Zechariah was asking questions about certainty, Mary is asking questions about possibility. How could this possibly happen? But first, let's take a look at the passage, the In the midst of Mary's question of the how is the where and the who, the where and the who, let's first look. We're we're told that the angel Gabriel is sent to a place called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, archaeologists have discovered and determined that it was likely a very small rural village settled by just a few families. This is not the expected birthplace of kings and rulers. Archaeologists have determined this was a village in the time of Jesus, at most about 300 people. It was difficult to access because of the surrounding countryside and very limited access to water. It's an unusual place for the Son of God to be born. We get a glimpse of this reputation of the village of Nazareth in the Gospel of John when Nathanael, one of Jesus' disciples, when he's told that the Savior has come from Nazareth, he asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's an unlikely place for the Son of God to be born. Now I'm told it's a major tourism destination, as you might imagine, but it was not so in the days of Jesus. So that was the where, and then there's the who. Let's look at Mary for a moment. Before this, we're told about an older couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They've described as being righteous, having been together for many, many years, and and yet were without a son. But now we have another couple, Mary and Joseph, but they're not yet married. Mary being a younger woman. Joseph was of the line of David. That's an important detail. And apparently the the angel Gabriel says this woman is highly favored. He uses this word twice. The angel uses this word of favor twice. This word has within it embedded the idea of grace. The Greek word for grace is charis. And in both of these instances, Gabriel tells Mary that this is about God's grace, God's initiative. God's idea, simply out of his love and his mercy, it's his idea. But Mary has a question because she's never been with a man. Now, Matthew's gospel tells us that that fact is a fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah who said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So there are questions that get raised in this entire story of the how, the where, and the who. Why Nazareth? Why Mary and Joseph? But Mary has her own question. How will this happen? I wanna talk for a moment now about the how of the holy, the how of the holy, The angel Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. We find this phrase elsewhere in the New Testament when Jesus says to his disciples after his resurrection, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This idea that the power of God can do something extraordinary do something impossible, that's what is happening. And think about that for a moment, that that Jesus' followers would receive the the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling them to witness to the ends of the earth the good news that God loves and God has forgiven and God is gracious. They've been given that power. It's the same power that gave birth to. To Jesus, The same power that overshadowed Mary is the same power that has been given to the followers of Jesus to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. Angel Gabriel also describes what is happening here as an overshadowing God's spirit will overshadow you. This is a word that is likened to the idea that God's cloud of presence overshadows something or someone. We see this cloud of God's holiness and presence all throughout the Bible. When he leads his people through the wilderness, when he covers the tabernacle in the temple. And in the New Testament, we see this same word when Jesus is on a mountainside with three of his disciples And there it says that a cloud overshadowed them and God the Father spoke out of that cloud and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. This idea of God's presence and power is found in the cloud that overshadows. And what does this mean? Is it means that when God's presence is present, the impossible can happen. When God's presence is present, the impossible happens. Finally, we should know this, that with God, we should get used to asking the question, how? When it comes to the things of God, we should get used to asking the question, how? First, Mary asks, how will this happen? She's told that something's gonna happen. She's wondering, how in the future is this gonna work? There's an element of Mary's question here that involves wanting to know the future. And you and I would like to know the future, wouldn't we? How many of us would like to get just a little more information about what 2024 holds for us? We're approaching the end of another calendar year, Some of us might say 2023, great year. Others of us, do you do this? At the end of the year, you're saying, I'm ready to say goodbye to this year. And we think that the change of the calendar is gonna be a magical thing that brings about all kinds of newness, right? It's a strange phenomenon. But many of us would like to know just a little bit more about the future. I can identify with this. As many of you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm stepping down from from this role and my future has some pieces to it. But if you were to ask me, am I certain about all of it? No. Now, I I, I admit there there are times that people have asked me over the last couple of months, well, what are you gonna be doing? I want to sound really certain. (laughs) You can imagine that, right? At age 54... Now is not the time to sound like a 20-year-old going, oh, I don't know. Maybe some of this, maybe some of that. But that not that, though, the life of faith sometimes? Sometimes that no matter what our age is, if we're really listening to God, trusting his voice. We may not be so certain about what the future holds. We might have some ideas, and how many of us, we had ideas about the way that God was going to work things out, and then he shifted the direction, and we tell a different story today. How is this going to happen, Mary asked. We want to know what the future holds. But Mary's question isn't just about the future, is it? It's, It's about the sheer possibility of it all. She's basically saying, hey, God, I may be a young woman, but I know how babies are made. I don't see how this is going to work. I don't see how all of this is going to work. But Mary isn't the only person in the New Testament that asks this specific question. How can this happen? How will this happen? In the Gospel of John, there's a story about a man named Nicodemus who asks a very similar kind of question. He's having a conversation with Jesus at night, and Jesus begins to talk, ironically, about being born again. And what does Nicodemus think? Similar kind of thing to Mary, like, hold on a minute. I was born once. I don't remember it. But how does somebody get born again? How can this happen? He asked that question in that conversation with Jesus not once but twice because he cannot grasp the things that Jesus is talking about. What does it mean to be born of God's spirit? What does it mean to be truly born again? But it's out of that conversation with those questions that Jesus says these famous words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. Nicodemus and Mary are asking good questions. And sometimes it's out of the question of how, God, how is this gonna happen that we get God's beautiful answers? Out of the question of impossibility, we learn about the possibility of God. A son of God who was born in the most unusual way tells us that we must be born again. He's inviting us to a new life. And instead of maybe our usual way, my usual way of trying to overshadow everyone and everything, to prove to someone that we are somebody and that we belong. Jesus invites us to a different kind of life, a life in which we're overshadowed by his spirit. And so instead of putting ourselves first, we put others first. Instead of wanting to be served, we serve. Instead of trying to make an impression, we point to the glory of God. Mary asked the question that all of us ask at one point or another. God, this is the way that I see things happen ordinarily. Are you going to do something extraordinary? Or maybe it becomes a prayer, God, I need you right now. To do something extraordinary. I mean, just look around. God has set up this world, right? That there are certain rules that govern our creation, ways that creation usually behaves. But one of the remarkable testimonies that we read in the Bible is that when God wants to show us that He's real, that He's present, that he sees us, that he's powerful. God apparently likes to break his own rules. He turns water into wine. He takes five loaves and two fish and feeds thousands. He takes a young woman that's never been with a man and she bears the son of God. God can take the ordinary and within it, create the extraordinary. So some of you may be asking the the question of Mary right now, the how question. How am I gonna survive this? How will we have enough? How is all this gonna work? How will they ever forgive me? How? How will this happen? Fill in the blank with your own question right now. Trust that Mary got an answer. Nicodemus got an answer. How will this happen? It seems impossible. Friends, trust the words of the one who would grow From a baby in a manger into the Son of God who came proclaiming peace and forgiveness and reconciliation and God's love, who would say to his followers, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Will you please pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we thank you for the story of Mary contained for us in this Christmas season. We hear her question, and it's our question too. Different circumstances, different seasons of life we have asked or are asking now, how will this happen? We don't understand it. And sometimes we don't understand your ways. So teach us to trust. Teach us to lean on what we know to be true, that you are a God of grace, mercy, forgiveness, and never-ending love. Through Jesus the Son, we have life. And as we trust in Him, we will not die, but live forever. We pray this in His name. Amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for Modern Worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.